Welcome back to Squares and Sharp Sports Betting Show. I am your host, Karan Bhatia. Today, I'm going to be breaking down UFC 265 and getting you ready for the big heavyweight interim title between Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon. It's a fascinating matchup with many different implications for future matchups in the heavyweight division. The entire card has some very interesting fights and very interesting spots for value. So I will be talking to some experts. First up, Dan Tom. You know him as Dan Tom MMA. You've seen his work on USA Today and MMA Junkie. He's going to break down this card and he's going to break down the prelims, early prelims. He's going to give you spots for value. Then next, it's AJ Shulo. You've seen his work everywhere. You've seen his analysis. We're going to talk to him about this card and get his picks. What are these spots for value that he sees on this big UFC 265 card? So without further ado, as always, let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by squaresandsharps.com. Squares and Sharps is what winners wear. We are the brand for sports bettors. Please visit squaresandsharps.com for high-quality sports betting apparel and gear. Use promo code CURRAN for 15% off your next order and for free shipping. Do you like Jorge Masvidal's Scarface-inspired suit? It was created by Mohan's Custom Tailors of NYC. Turn your own dream into a reality. Visit the legendary Mohan's Custom Tailors located steps away from Grand Central at 301 Madison Avenue. You can contact them at 212-697-0050 or by visiting mohansnyc.com. Make an appointment now. If you're enjoying this show, check out my other podcast, Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia. It's available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And check out my YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. I am Karan Bhatia. This is Squares and Sharps, and I am joined by Dan Tom. You know him as at... Dan Tom MMA. He's an MMA analyst for MMA Junkie, USA Today Sports, host of the Protect Your Neck podcast. He's a betting analyst for Odds Checker US. There's probably like 15 other things, but I'm just going to stop it there so I can say hello to you, Dan. How are you doing? Good, man. It's awesome to be back on here. You know me, a fan of you, fan of your work, a handsome hostess with the mostest, and I'm appreciative of, of other good shows with great names so happy to be back on chat fights with you <laughs> right back at you man i'm a big fan of, of everything you do so i'm really excited to talk about this card and kind of get your thoughts i feel like it's my job to to tease those picks and and analysis and all of that good stuff from you so let's start with ufc 265 uh let's start at the top the main event um we are fighting at heavyweight which is always uh always exciting um, we got Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gaon. Um, it's the heavyweight interim title. Uh, so let me, let me, let's start there before we even get into this fight. I mean, what are your thoughts about this whole situation with Nganu obviously being the heavyweight champion? This is now a title, interim title fight. Uh, your thoughts? Um, I don't like it, but more, more to, uh, succinctly, it's, it's a product essentially of what the UFC schedule is now. And this whole unwritten rule of having to have a belt to present and, you know, present these things, especially for a pay-per-view card, that is one thing. I know a lot of other cards, the co-main events have 
not just taking a hit literally this year. The co-main event's lost its meaning since 2019, if anybody paying attention. However, the UFC does like to present pay-per-views a certain way. So, you know, by hook or come crook, uh, they have to get these title fights on, and sometimes we end up with, you know, a Cyril Gon versus Derek Lewis. No disrespect to either fighter, by the way, but as far as the stakes go, it feels a little wonky. Right. It's not the heavyweight title. It's the interim title. Still a big fight nonetheless. Still very fascinating, interesting for so many different reasons. Uh, we've seen Gon before. He's a rising star. He's got the kickboxing background. But you can never, ever count out our man Derek Lewis. He's got that one-shot power, and he's always dangerous until the absolute end. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the odds here on Bet Online. Uh, we got Derek Lewis coming in at plus 286, as we're speaking right now, gone at minus 361. Um, obviously, those are subject to change. What are your thoughts on this fight? How is it going to play out? And, and do you see any spots for value in this one? This is a real tough one for value. And I mean, it's just heavyweight MMA, which, you know, it can be real tough to pick whether you're just trying to make a pick for a fan or we're coming at it from the betting perspective. And regardless of what side I'm on, which I am on the favorite side, however, uh, it's not just, you know, the lines tightening from minus 400 to minus 355, I believe you cited, but nevertheless, any line with north of a two to one spread in heavyweight MMA, you should all be squinting at uh, and for that reason, I don't blame anybody taking the shot on Lewis. I think if any value, it's going to be your basic dogger pass angle uh, because Lewis, even though I'm not picking him in this spot, I did pick him against Blades when not many were because he is a fighter who loses until he wins, even against fighters who have won the 25 minutes before. Uh, however, Blades is more of an exhausting uh, risk uh, uh, all-in or all-out style, whereas Gone is a lot more fight IQ. So that's why I went with him via decision here. I think you still get plus money on that angle. Um, but, you know, Gon could also get a late stoppage. And, of course, Lewis could upset, which is why it ultimately goes to dog or pass. And I even looked at the overs and unders, which are going to be popular spots with contentious fights, like this card offers, current. And, you know, I don't like the numbers that they have on there either for the current, um, you know, uh, overs, uh, which is what I would be looking at. And I know you do such extensive analysis. Um, I'm just curious. We know Derek Lewis is fighting in his hometown here. How, how much does that play into your analysis when you see a guy fighting at home? Uh, I think it does. It is going to help him. Now, the common angle you're going to be hearing and, and may have already heard is, you know, it may give him that extra boost in the later rounds that Derek Lewis is tiring or the crowd cheering him. It's a positive, right? Positive begets positive. I'm not denying any of those, but I think it more uh, – it helps Derek Lewis in the sense that it'll challenge the fight IQ that we've already, you know, Gon's already proved himself a couple of times, but those were, you know, in the apex with no fans. Uh, now he's going to have, you know, uh, that big cage, that big arena booing him, right, as the outsider and perhaps fighting the style. It's not going to be very fan friendly. So I think that's going to be a real test for Gon. Absolutely. If you watch the press conference, uh, Derek Lewis is, is calm. He's cool. He's always got the great one-liners. And you know that he's going to bring that into this fight and he's going to have that energy of the crowd. So that I know that that's going to uh, propel him forward. Before we go on to the rest of the card, I wanted to ask you about, we were talking about this whole situation at heavyweight. I mean, if you had to give a prediction, how is it all going to play out after this fight? Who's going to face who? We, we know Stipe has been in the news. He's been unhappy that he hasn't gotten the fights that he wanted. Um, and Ganu, obviously the champion, needs a little bit more time to come back. John Jones is in the mix as well. What do you think is going to happen with all these players at heavyweight? Well, I think they're going to, you know, uh, milk the proverbial cow for what it's worth, even though the pieces are scattered, which is frustrating for us fans and pundits. 
uh, it's going to allow them to kind of spread out the uh, spread out the product, you know, cut it up to use. Uh, maybe I was watching some cocaine cowboys last night, but they cut up the product as as they say. So, you know, you've got the winner of this, which, as we know, whoever wins, you've got a storyline to set up against the rightful and sitting champion in Ninganu. Whereas we've heard news as recently, John Jones and Stipe, which is a matchup they've tried to make before and actually makes a lot of sense now. They are still trying to target it, but uh, Stipe saying he's not going to be ready till 2022, which even though that may be frustrating for fans and even the promotion, I still think it works for the promotion because they could do that Super Bowl weekend and have that set up the winner of whoever Lewis versus Gone is facing Ngannou, if that makes sense. It's an exciting time at heavyweight. It's almost uh, parallel to the way it is in boxing, where you have a couple, a couple top people at heavyweight, uh, and, and you just have an interesting matchup with however they come together. Whoever takes on whoever will be such a fascinating matchup. So hopefully uh, some of those big fights will come together. So the next fight on the card, it's bantamweight. Uh, Jose Aldo, of course, the veteran, is taking on Pedro Munoz. So it, one thing that stood out to me is we think, of, we think of Aldo, and we've seen him so many times. He's actually the same age as Munoz, so it's not like it's, it's a crossroads fight or anything like that. Um, I'm looking at the, uh, the odds here on Bet Online as we're speaking. Munoz at minus 104, Aldo at minus 116. Um, what do you think about that fight and, and any spots for value there and, and you know, anything with over-under uh, props? What, what are your thoughts on this one? I don't know if it's because betting has just been picking up like so crazy, um, especially with the UFC and whatnot, but the lines I feel like are moving faster, more, and in their defense, more sharply. Uh, I don't find myself playing against the public as I would normally do. And, you know, uh, albeit lazy, could be a very viable strategy for many years for many gamblers. And I don't blame them. However, a lot of the line movement has been sharp, in my opinion. Uh, and there's a lot of fights here where I'm picking the uh, – I'm picking some. Uh, I'm not picking Munoz, but I'm picking some of the fighters who are initially dogs. But public money came in, so you missed the boat uh, on a plus money for Munoz. That being said, minus 105, minus 110. That's still playable chalk. That's still near even money. That's still a low point of entry if you are a big believer uh, in whatever fighter that has that number next to his name. In this case, it's Munoz. I don't disagree. I don't feel great about this pick. Uh, I like both guys. Uh, I ended up going with Aldo. I think it's just going to be a really close fight. It's going to come down to uh, round two slash how much can Jose Aldo survive round three? I think he'll probably lose it, but does he lose it 10-8 or does he get finished? Uh, who knows? I'm going to go with Jose Aldo, though, in this spot. And one thing that, that I've been looking at in my research is Aldo seems to have success in the fight before the fight. And what I mean by that is fights that are not championship level fights or number one contender fights. And this isn't that right. This is, this is two ranked guys, number five versus number nine here. So do you think that, you know, three rounds, that type of thing will, will play into Aldo's favor? I think the three rounds definitely will. And you're right. This isn't uh, you know, you're right. It falls into those kind of fights that Aldo usually comes alive in. Whereas on the opposite, for better or for worse, we'll have to see. It's kind of like Pedro Munoz's Super Bowl, right? And even though I feel like he's more physically and mentally durable and stronger than a, a Hanato Moicano, not a shot of Moicano, just, just saying, uh, they, they both still run the risk of, you know, that's their Brazilian countryman. You know, is he going to be signing autographs in there in his head? You got to wonder about that aspect, too. Uh, not that uh, Munoz doesn't seem headstrong in more than one way. Uh, I think he'll come forward and try to knock Aldo's head off, but... If, is the, if the finish is there, though, does he, does he go for it? Does he go for mean elbows, or does he just try to go for a submission instead? Who knows? 
the mental aspect coming into this fight will, will be huge. And uh, it'll be exciting to see how that plays out on Saturday night. Uh, as we continue down the card here, we're looking at welterweight. We got Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. Um, this to me is, is a fight between uh, two guys with different styles. And, and obviously Chiesa wants to bring it to the ground. Uh, Luque is going to want to keep it standing. I mean, what are your thoughts on this matchup? This is another one, you know, where uh, the money moved. Kiesa uh, was your underdog. There's some public, uh, you know, backing on him. And I don't blame, blame them because uh, I didn't end up going with Kiesa for my pick. But it's tough. You know, I'm a big fan of Luke. I've been a big supporter of him. And he could certainly win this fight. Uh, I feel like this fight's going to come down to, uh, you know, whether or not Luke is going to do, you know, hold up against a grappler. It's really been the missing thing. I know he just beat Tyron Woodley. And Tyron Woodley did try to take him down, but Tyron Woodley's not been taking guys down successfully since strike force. And that was an older Tyron Woodley. Luke has not faced any grapplers, really. So that's going to be the big question here. And I like Kiesa at welterweight. Uh, you know, I, I do think this is going to be kind of a striker versus grappler, but Luke has got a good front headlock choke that could make Kiesa pay. So it's going to be really interesting. I just like what I've seen from Kiesa. And even though it's the bigger cage and not the small cage, which is something better should pay attention to, I still think Kiesa gets his fight. And kind of like the question you posed to me in the last matchup, the three-round aspect um, favors Kiesa. That's so that even if he doesn't get the finish, he just has to control him for two out of the three and survive for the third. And so with, with all that said, with all your analysis, are you looking to make a play on, on this fight? It's tough. You know, it, the, the one thing is, this is one of those fights where uh, I, I feel like I have a good edge on decision props because I have a good feel for who just stylistically the better fighter is. And when fights kind of mathematically go, well, if this, if this guy wins, it's probably going to be a finish. There, there, there's a very low chance of him winning a decision. So if you're backing the fighter who mainly wins by decision against the fighter who doesn't necessarily win by decision, that perhaps adds into my formula. But here's the looming question over all these plays. Current. We're in Texas, baby. We're not only the, the scorecards, which MMA is already wild, wild west. I mean, we are in the wild, wild west where it's, you know, inconsistent judges and they're going by older uh you know older criteria which means they're not focusing on damage even though both criteria should make them focus on damage by the way the point is uh late round takedowns that we've seen judges overcorrecting from well those may be back in play with the way texas goes which is another reason why i like kiesa the grappler in the spot because even if he doesn't get a finish i do think that even the texas judges will reward him so i'm looking at a decision prop but it's nothing I'm telling you to go to the window with. If you follow boxing closely, you know all about judges in Texas and uh, the long history there. And, and it can always make things uh, a little interesting. Or when we go to a decision, just kind of that hold your breath type of moment because you have no idea what's going to happen. Or sometimes you're just absolutely shocked. So we'll see how that plays out on Saturday night. As yeah. always, it makes it interesting. It makes it fun. They call combat sports the theater of the unexpected and, and why not? So um, as we continue down the line here, women's straw weight, uh, we got Tisha Torres. She's taking on Angela Hill. Um, I'm looking at the odds right now as we're speaking on Bet Online. Torres minus 137, Hill at plus 117. Your thoughts on this matchup and, and any spots for value on this one? Man, you know, if, if, if they were still naming UFC pay per views, like with like UFC. 100 you know 80 rapid fire like this would be like ufc 265 coin flip because most of these you could just be flipping the coins and i think we're going to be seeing a lot of split decisions to kind of follow that and i think that's the case here for torres and hill um there is value if you like the hillside 
as far as that goes, because she opened as a favorite, I believe, and is now the underdog. However, even though I submitted Angela Hill for my staff picks, um, I, I'm because uh, we have to have them done early in the week, even though my research for that fight wasn't done until shortly I got onto this call. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys the heads up, peek behind the curtain. I'm actually going to change my pick to Tisha Torres here. I think she does get the decision. I do believe. I do think again the public money. Uh, I don't. I don't disagree with them here. But for that reason, and with the overs already being stacked, you know they build the, the you know the, the point of entry way too high uh, for the overs, which are the obvious angles for these fights. Um, I don't really like anything unless again unless you like the dog uh, or overly confident you want to lay the chalk. I'm going to be picking chalk, but I, but I won't be playing it. That, that's really interesting. So you had, you had your pick one way, you did more research, and now you're, you're officially changing your pick. Okay, good to know. Yeah. I'm glad. glad we're breaking some news here. I love it. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, both of these fighters actually fought each other in 2015. So this is a rematch. Um, Torres took that back, back six years ago. Um, how much of that plays into your analysis? Because, yes, we have data points of these two fighters going against each other, but it's not necessarily current data points because it was so long ago. So how, how do you wrap your mind around that when you're doing your analysis? Um, basically, I think there's, there's two biases both ways. I've always been a big Tisha Torres fan, and in my defense, so is the odds maker. She's traditionally got big favorite odds, but she went on that big losing streak, albeit to big names. And you know how the sport is. It's really unforgiving, uh, even though there's much more common to have losses in MMA than boxing. And I believe Tisha Torres have been, has been devalued because of that. Whereas Angela Hill, you know, rounding back to the stylistic question, she's gotten better as far as defending takedowns, getting up from her feet, which was a huge issue in their first fight. And, you know, uh, raising my hand, I'm a big Angela Hill fan. She's a big media darling. But because of that, I think that bias plays in, right? She's a very popular pick. However, if you, you, you split all the way, and even if you incorporate, you know, all her improvements, I still believe at her core – which is the case more often than not, by the way, when you're breaking down fights at her core, she's still the same fighter at heart. Uh, and if that's the case, I believe that Tisha Torres, especially coming off of, you know, some two confidence boosting wins, I think that's going to do her uh, very well here. So I'm going to go with Torres, but this, this is another, it's, I, I, I think the safest bet is like, can, can I bet that this is going to be a split decision? Cause I feel like that's the safest angle, which means it's going to be a, a hard fight to call. I like your suggestion about giving the subtitles for these, these events. I think, uh, you know, similar to how one championship is doing that almost picking the theme. Uh, and I think you nailed it on, on this one with coin flips. Um, the last fight on the main card, we're going to bantamweight. Uh, we have song Yudong versus Casey Kenny. Um, looking at the odds right now on bet online, as we're speaking, Kenny minus one eighteen, song minus one Oh two. Um, how do you break down this one? Uh, again, this is a fight where I'm going to be back in the fighter who opened as the dog, but unfortunately my analysis came in late. I missed the boat. He is now the favorite, which is Casey Kenny. Uh, and I feel dangerous for that, especially if I end up playing this fight, which, uh, again, similar to the Mike Chiesa, dangerous to play decisions, but you know, the fighter that's going to be getting more takedowns or more grappling. Um, I, I believe so too. Now Yudong, he's got some decent grappling too. And he said, he's going to bring it out for this fight. Uh, which which he can. Casey Kenny, despite the judo and wrestling background and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I think black belt as well to go with it. He can be taken down. However, he's much more scrambly than Song Yudong, and Song Yudong seems to really want to manage his gas tank. So I'm on the favorite side here. I'm looking at you know decisions as far as uh, value, but again, I'm betting a decision in MMA judging, much less MMA judging in Texas. 
coin flip with uh, it just makes it all that more interesting in Texas. Um, so we'll definitely see see what happens there. So before we talk about prelims and early prelims, let me ask you this: on on all the fights we talked about on the main card, if you were to give advice to someone who maybe wants to make a play uh, but isn't sure which fight or which spot, is there is there one fight or one spot in uh, this main card that stands out to you as as something that you were the most confident on? Really tough because I want to say Casey Kenny, but I'm still mid research as I'm recording that one now. Uh, but because uh, I think the other fights are going to be too close, unless you can find an angle, which most of them are, are stacked as far as um, do not go the distance. Uh, and, and some of them that have promised violence, like Kiesa and Luki, I actually think are going to decision. Um, so that's a really tough one. I mean, unless you're you know taking a hail mary dog for fun on the main event, uh, I, I'm looking at angles on on um, on Casey Kenny and, and uh, Song Yandong there. Definitely a, a tight card with, with a lot of close matchups. Um, so we know that value is always found later down the line, down the card. Um, as we go down, the, the people research less. Um, the fighters, we, we have less data about them. Um, so it's people like you who can actually um, find the spots for value in, in these uh, prelims and early prelims. The main card uh, is going to be 10 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Uh, that's ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Uh, prelims on ESPN and ESPN plus at 8 PM and early prelims at 6 PM on UFC fight pass. So going through the prelims and the early prelims, what are the fights and the spots for value that stand out to you? Uh, well, I, I do, you know, uh, by rule, write about parlays, whether I take them or not. And, uh, you know, I, I was looking I, I, on my docket. I'll just say, is I'm looking at John's Munoz, that's Johnny Munoz, not Pedro. Um, as far as making some money early off some shock, pairing those two up for plus money. I'm not saying I'm doing it, folks. Uh, those are the picks I did submit, though. I'm going to do a little more refined research, as I suggest you all do when you're going to put your money somewhere. Uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, again, this is another fight where uh, she opened as the dog, went to the favorite, and I still almost want to play it. I don't know what I'll uh, you know, kick myself harder for is betting her straight up at the money line uh, over Jessica Penny, who, who shouldn't have won that last decision, and I, I, don't, I don't think it's gonna be, this is going to be a good fight for her. I think uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz is just going to put output. The big cage is going to facilitate it, and her clinch is strong enough to keep Penny away. It should be a clear decision, so I'm actually going to be looking at Kovalkiewicz by decision as a prop. And my favorite dog on the card is Ed Herman uh, for a straight play. Probably my favorite play, uh, Ed Herman. Uh, riding with the old dogs, I, I love to do it for better or worse. I'd like to say I've been doing better than worse lately with these old dogs when I pick my spots. But he's got a good left hook like OSP put Menafield away with. More importantly, Menafield, I still don't trust his gas tank. He is who he is, and he tends to crash into the clinch where Ed Herman comes alive. Watch out for those knees. I think Ed Herman cashes his dog. I want you to say that to Menafield's face next time you see him, will you? <laughs> you know, I, I think Coach Seishayu listens to my podcast and follows me. So, And I haven't picked Menafield much, so uh, I don't blame Menafield for already disliking me. <laughs> it's uh it's all respect and hey you can't pull that card on me because i'm one of the few media members who uh spent years interviewing these fighters face-to-face -face interviewing by the way and face-to-face -face training with and fought so believe me folks i i better or worse i gotta stand by what i say no of course we know you are the the real deal when it comes to uh having combat sports background yourself and also uh speaking and interviewing to these fighters um so that is uh, that's your breakdown for the prelims and early prelims. Let me let me ask you this: it's it's not the most stacked card in the world, but it's definitely an exciting and interesting card. There's a lot of different spots 
um, that make it really interesting. A lot of different fights that are that are very close uh, matchups. If you were to tell me what fight or moment or something that Saturday night you are most excited to seeing, um, that is going to be what? What what can you not wait to see? And what what is the biggest question mark going into Saturday night? Uh, fight we didn't talk about because I don't feel comfortable betting it, uh, even though the line is arguably too wide. But it's Rafael Fiziev. Rafael Fiziev is not Brazilian. There's Bobby Green. Uh, love that fight. Uh, love uh, Fiziev. And uh, Bobby Green, he gets a bad rap, but I love his style. It's way better than people give it credit for, but I'm picking Fiziev here. I just think it should be a fun fight. And I think Bobby Green will make a good account for himself, but not good enough for me to want to lay my money with him this time. And uh, just two more questions before we let you go. I appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy man. Um, for someone who maybe wants to get into uh, betting at a deeper level, I mean, we, we've talked so much about your analysis and how you, you've made picks uh, earlier in the week and then things change, the data, you know, data changes or you, you research more and you, may, and you change your picks. So what would be your best piece of advice on the best way to do research um, and, and kind of like the best thing that you can share about your process to maybe help someone else? Fantastic question, which is why you're a great host and interviewer. Um, I, the only reason why I change my picks is because the way Junkie does our staff picks, we have to have them submitted early in the week. We do have the right to reserve them, which I, I tend to exercise because your boy here has to, you know, I actually have to back and talk about my picks, right? So I can't just send them in willy-nilly. Uh, but the point of that is not to, uh, uh, you know, make excuses for myself or, or throw shade on the processes behind the scenes. Not at all. It's just that if you can, if you're not beholden to – don't submit your, you know, takes early. Don't be worried about being first. If you want to beat the line, then do your research to beat the line. But don't be worried about being first as far as, like, having a take. And I see it all the time on Twitter. We all, we all have to feel like we have to have a take on everything. And then we go down this rabbit hole and arguing and confirmation bias either back up our take or maybe we're one of the people that make that early bet and we just spend that whole confirmation bias that whole week you know, just kind of confirming our bias and we're not really looking into the fight or other fights or other spots. So my best advice to you saying all that is just be weary of your filter and try to keep it as clean and, and uh, unpolluted as possible. If you have your shows or your references, you like keep using those, but try to do your research first, then go and see those and then make your plays. That, that's honestly the best example, uh, the best advice I could give. That's great advice, and I applaud you for reserving the right to change your pick and then having the courage to change your pick when the information changes or you learn something new, um, which, which you did a few times uh, in our conversation. Uh, so I learned a lot there. So last thing before we let you go, you obviously have some great insight here. Tell people where they can find you, where they can listen to all your great content. Yeah, too kind, man. I appreciate you. Um, just pretty much like one-stop shop. Uh, I'm mainly active on Twitter at Dan Tom MMA. That's where you'll find, you know, the Protecting Neck podcast, MMA junkie stuff, Ox Checker stuff, or, or you know, uh, stuff from my YouTube chan channel, Daniel Tom MMA. Uh, it should be all there at Dan Tom MMA, man. Thank you. This, this was awesome. It's too long. We got we to we talk more, man. I got to get you on my show. You're all kind of having me on your shows. I got to get you on my show, man. Anytime, anytime. Dan Tom, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy the fights on Saturday night. And as always, it was a pleasure to, ch to chat with you, my man. Always. This podcast is brought to you by squaresandsharps.com. Squares and Sharps is what winners wear. We are the brand for sports bettors. Please visit squaresandsharps.com for high-quality sports betting apparel and gear. Use promo code CURRAN for 15% off your next order and for free shipping. 
you like Jorge Masvidal's Scarface-inspired suit? It was created by Mohan's Custom Tailors of NYC. Turn your own dream into a reality. Visit the legendary Mohan's Custom Tailors located steps away from Grand Central at 301 Madison Avenue. You can contact them at 212-697-0050 or by visiting mohansnyc.com. Make an appointment now. If you're enjoying this show, check out my other podcast, Ask the Experts with Karen Batia. It's available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And check out my YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Karen Batia. I am Karen Batia, joined by AJ Shulo. You know him as AJ MMA Betting on Twitter. You've seen him everywhere. AJ, how are you doing? Very good, Curran. Excited to be talking to you. Super stoked for this card, man. Great pay-per-view, even though we had Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena fall out. Great card from top to bottom. And uh, yeah, looking forward to diving into things. We are back for UFC 265, and we're going to go through this whole card. So let's start at the top. Derek Lewis versus Gone. Um, it's, it's a very fascinating fight. Um, Gone, obviously, rising star. He's got the kickboxing background. Um, Derek Lewis, though, you can never, ever count him out. Uh, definitely going to be a huge test for God. Um, before we even talk about the odds and anything with this fight, I mean, what do you think about this matchup? It's awesome. Uh, I know there was a little bit of uproar amongst the Twitter community, but uh, whenever you have an interim belt, at least tells me that there's some clarity on who's going to fight that, uh, you know, fight for the belt next. So I do think that the booking makes sense, especially when you got Lewis in Houston, Texas. Uh, the, the roof might blow off with the crowd cheering his name when Bruce reads it. But, uh, you know, it's uh, two top heavyweight contenders. I mean, uh, these guys are, are rightfully competing for the belt, and uh, the winner will face Gon. If it's Lewis, we get to see that rematch go down. And if it's Gon, people love a fresh contender in there. And, and Gon, uh, look at the rise that he's been on, basically flawlessly winning every, every round of his UFC career. So I think it's an excellent booking, and it should be exciting. And, and what do you think about that, the whole heavyweight title situation? Francis not able to defend in August. He said he would be ready by September. Um, so now they're doing this interim title. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, to me, I, I end up confusing myself when I try to figure out what's going on behind the scenes. And so I just sort of uh, I just sort of pull my head out of it. Otherwise, I could really go down a serious rabbit hole. But I just assume that you know, maybe the, the UFC was in agreement. Obviously, Francis and his team didn't see eye to eye. But uh, the my hope and what I think the UFC will do is uh, they will have the winner of this fight, uh, fight Francis at the date when he's ready. And at the same time, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that this fight came about because we just talked about Nunes and Pena falling out. Without this fight on the card, we wouldn't have a title fight. And so uh, it, it's a good thing that they, they established this. Again, it, it caused a lot of uh, confusion amongst the community. But now that as we're seeing the match of age, how the card is being assembled right now, I think people are more inclined to, to really believe in this card from top to bottom. And what do you think about in terms of the landscape of, of the heavyweight division? Stipe Miocic has been unhappy that, that he's not really included in all of this. There were rumors that he may be taking on John Jones next. I mean, who knows? Um, how do you think Stipe fits into that heavyweight picture? It's really interesting, right? Because it would it would make it seem like you know he should get a, a another shot at Francis right away, the trilogy, you know. Uh, but at the same time, Francis had to work his way back up to fight Stipe. So in theory, Stipe might have to do the same thing. And I honestly think Stipe versus Jones makes a ton of sense. I know that Jones says he wants to hold out, wait for a big payday, payday to fight Francis, but 
Um, when push comes to shove, I really think they should book, book Stipe Jones. This is a matchup that my, a lot of people, including myself, have been looking forward to for years. And what better way to introduce Jones to the heavyweight division than facing the former uh, champion of this weight class, a guy that I think he has a much better chance of beating. Uh, it's not going to be an easy fight, but a, a better chance of beating than, say, Francis. So I think with, with Stipe, it's good for him because even though it's not a title fight, he could be the first guy in history to uh, beat John Jones since Matt Hamill, that DQ, and Stipe gets a big payday, as would Jones. So I think with that sort of matchup, that's been the one that I'm calling for for the past year. Everybody is a winner, and, and that's the one I would like to see uh, booked next. Absolutely. Let's hope that happens. It seems to solve a lot of problems if that fight comes together and, and kind of lay a path towards a mega fight uh, with Nganu and John Jones or maybe Nganu and Stipe. We'll, you know, we'll have to see. Um, see what happens there. But let's talk about this fight. Lewis versus Gone. So I'm looking at the odds as we're speaking right now on Bet Online. Lewis at plus 290, Gone at minus 390. Um, you mentioned Lewis's hometown. I mean, he's, he's fighting at home. Uh, how much of an advantage do you think that is? And uh, what do you think about those numbers as they're posted right now? In terms of the hometown thing, I think it'll give Lewis even more motivation. The last time we saw him compete, in Houston, he, he won a questionable decision. It was one that I thought he deserved to win. Um, but, uh, you know, he still struggled in there. So it's, it's certainly not a guarantee that Lewis goes out here and has a good performance. Uh, the crowd is going to go crazy every time he, he attempts offense, which could help uh, the eyes of the judges. However, uh, segueing over to the betting odds, I do agree with Gon being a big favorite here. I just think that stylistically, he's much better than Lewis on the feet. He's a better technical striker. I think he's more defensively sound, higher output. Uh, Lewis has the power advantage and that might be enough for him to get by here. Maybe he attacks gone in a flurry, but I believe that the mo the, for the most part, the aggregate of the striking exchanges should go in favor of gone and gone's even a better wrestler and better grappler. We've seen Lewis struggle there time and time again, uh, even against the said matchup against the Leo Latifi fighter. He was much bigger then. Um, so Lewis fights are always tricky handicapping because he always uh, goes again. I mean, you can never count the guy out. He's got a tremendous amount of heart an immense amount of power. And for that reason, We've seen him go out there, get dominated for minutes on end, and then pull out a knockout late. We saw that just his last fight against Curtis Blades. We saw that against Alexander Volkov. So I'm not counting Lewis out by any means. The guy uh, has pulled off the upset time and time again. However, my prediction is that Gon should be going out here, winning the fight comfortably, unless he gets knocked out by Lewis. So I think that Lewis is essentially knockout or bust to win. And that's a big if, right? He <laughs> win the fight comfortably unless one thing happens, which we know uh, can happen when Derek Lewis is in the conversation. Um, when you look at all the different props, the, the round props, the, the over-under, anything that sticks out to you, anything that, that you're looking to make a play on in this main event? Yeah, the most interesting spot, I think, on this fight is actually the under four and a half rounds. It's pretty surprising, but also not really why the bookmaker opened it there. I think they opened it there, and I could be wrong on this, because – the last two fights that we saw gone compete, they went the full 25 minutes. But why I think it's going to go differently here is because Lewis isn't content to be in that sort of fight that we saw gone go. And he's not content to have a tidy fight on the outside. Lewis wants big moments. He wants to attack you uh, whenever he gets the opportunity. And I just think that Lewis's style combined with gone's big advantages uh, could spell a finish here either way. And just like we talked about, we have a lot of respect for the type of fighter Lewis is. So I would personally rather lay the under four and a half rounds at better price, knowing that if Lewis happens to get the knockout, it most likely gets covered and then also covers the outcome if Gon goes out here and gets a finish. Um, I do think that Gon could go out here and finish Lewis. We've seen Lewis hurt to the body time and time again. The Travis Brown fight, the Junior Dos Santos fight uh, just doesn't take to damage particularly well. I think Gon could get a finish. 
Um, unlike the Volkov and Rosenstruck fights where those guys are better technical strikers than Lewis. I think they're more durable as well. So that's the spot that I'm intrigued with the most uh, in terms of like just props on each fighter. If I was playing Lewis, I would just rather take him KO. I just think that's a big chunk of his win equity. And if I was playing gone, I would just rather look at his inside the distance line, which is only minus 110. That's a much better. And I have to lay, you know, just a much lower price than say his money line. So that, those would be the spots I would hone in on if I was betting this fight. Um, I think they make, they make the most sense from a, from a value perspective, considering the matchup. It's definitely a fascinating mat- matchup. We're going to learn a lot about God, and that's that's why I'm I'm really excited about Saturday night, or one of the many reasons. And uh, there there are a lot of fascinating fights on this card. As as we move down the line, we have Jose Aldo, 34 years old, against Pedro Munoz. Now it it seems like Aldo's the veteran, the older guy. They're actually the same age. Um, this fight is at uh, is at bantamweight. Um, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting fight. Um, how how do you break down this one? Oh man, this is the fight of the night. I think this is just going to be a, a fun action fight. I, every fight that I've seen Munoz in, he's just in action fights, man. And see it time and time again. The way I see this fight is it, it's attrition versus technique. Aldo is the better technical striker. He's also more defensively sound. Munoz blocks punches with his arms, but he doesn't do a good job of moving his head. And Munoz's path of victory here is to basically close the distance, do damage to Aldo, kind of wear him out as the fight goes on, and either win a stoppage or win the latter rounds. Um, I do favor Aldo, though. I just I favor the fighter that is the better technical striker, and I think Aldo holds that advantage pretty clearly. He's also got a five-inch reach over Munoz, which is pretty interesting. And Aldo actually checks low kicks, which not a lot of people do, and that's Munoz's bread and butter is attacking with his kicks to the body, to the legs. Um, and Munoz doesn't – I mean, he could hurt Aldo with his, arm, with his hands, but he doesn't have an immense amount of power in his hands. He, he mainly hurts guys with his kicks. And when I look at this fight, I just feel like Aldo should be favored. Again, he's the better striker in a fight that should be won or lost standing. He has truly elite takedown defense. And Minos hasn't really been a good offensive wrestler throughout his career. So I think that it just comes to a point where, you know, does Minos, uh, does he expend uh, all those gas tank? Does he get him tired? Does he get him finished down the line? But I think all those durability could hold up here. We've seen him face some pretty dangerous guys in there, uh, hold up for a few rounds, uh, you know, against Marlon Vera, for instance, a uh, fairly dangerous guy. So I think that Aldo is the side. And I actually do think it's a, well, it's actually a pick now, but I, I think it's an Aldo or pass type of matchup from a betting perspective. It seems like Aldo in the past has had success in the fight before the fight. And what I mean by that is the, the non-championship fight, the non-number one contender fight. He seems to always have success in those type of moments. And this is one of those. Uh, it's, it's number five versus number nine in the bantamweight division. So is, is that at all playing into your mind, your mindset about uh, this fight? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Three rounds instead of five for Aldo, I think is huge. Uh, he doesn't have bad cardio, but I think that, you know, as the fight would go on, it would favor Munoz in a five round fight. Um, and yeah, to your point, this is a, a step down in competition relative to the, the, the opposition that Aldo has been used to facing throughout his career. You know, Piotr Jan, Marlon Moraes, Max Holloway twice. Uh, not to say that Munoz is a bad fighter or anything like that, but uh, there are levels to this game. I think that Aldo most likely goes out here, wins uh, probably decision. Munoz has an iron chin, as we know. Um, but yeah, it is it is a truly elite uh, bantamweight contender fight. Uh, two top ten ranked guys uh, should be fun, and uh, this is the best weight class in the UFC. So the fact that these guys are even ranked uh, tells tells me all I need to know about the pedigree in which they possess in this sport. Absolutely. And as we move down the line here, the next fight is at welterweight. Michael Chiesa 
versus Vicente Luque. Um, I'm looking at the odds right now on Bet Online. Kiesa minus 105, Luque minus 115. Um, what do you think about this matchup, this fight, and, and is there any value to be had on this one? I think it's a pretty binary matchup, to be honest with you. I think that if the fight's contested on the feet, Luque's going to look like a comfortable favorite here. He's just a better technical striker than Kiesa. He's better with his volume, and he possesses more power. Uh, Kiesa is, is smart, though, on the feet. You know, he's either all the way in, not willing to engage, or he's closing the distance and trying to take you down from the clinch. Um, I did think Kiesa's striking looked better than ever last time out against Magny. He was cutting different angles well with his footwork. Uh, his, his punches were just cleaner and sharper than usual. But to say that he's closed the gap between him and Luque just seems like a reach. So it kind of comes down to Kiesa getting the fight to the ground. And I think he could do it. I mean, we haven't seen Luque's takedown defense tested a lot through the years, but there's been some glimpses of it. He was taking down a couple fights ago against Randy Brown. Um, Derek Krantz took him down, took his back. And then the last time he was truly wrestled was against Leon Edwards, and we haven't really seen him tested there since. Kiesa seems like a new guy at, at 170 pounds. Uh, his cardio looks much better. Um, you know, he's able to go out there and outgrapple guys that are good grapplers. You know, Rafael Dos Anjos took his back, got like 10 minutes of control in there. That's something that Leon Edwards and Kevin Lee couldn't even do. So if Kiesa gets this fight to the ground, I think he's a, a threat to control. I don't think he's going to submit Luque. Luque is a very good submission grappler, but um, could he get in the dominant position? Could he uh, control him for at least two rounds, win a decision? Absolutely. Um, and Luque is just more so reliant on doing damage. And so whenever you got a fight that is binary, but one guy should land takedowns, which I think Kiesa can, because he is a good wrestler. Um, I do side with Kiesa. I think the value is on the underdog price for him in this, in this matchup. Um, again, I do, I will be uh, nervous when he's standing with Luque because Luque is always a legitimate threat. I've, I've actually backed Luque in the past as well, but uh, I do think that most likely Kiesa goes out here, gets some takedowns and could potentially wear Luque out because Luque isn't really used to this sort of style of fight. It's a fight where the geography uh, will play a big part and, and where they are standing or on the ground uh, will dictate a lot of what's going to happen. Um, so it makes for another interesting fight. Uh, as we continue down the card here, we're moving to women's straw weight. We got Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. Um, before we even talk about the odds of the fight, this is actually a rematch. They fought in 2015. Um, that was obviously a while ago, right? We're talking about six years ago at this point. Does that matter at all in terms of handicapping a fight like this? Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because the last time we were talking was actually the rematch with Poirier McGregor when they had rematched uh, several years prior. And I do think that rematches are relevant if they happen in close proximity of each other, maybe two or three years apart. But these women have improved so much since then. And I don't really take that much away because Hill used to struggle with takedown defense, uh, with submission grappling, and, and she just doesn't really anymore. I mean, she could get taken down. She could get controlled for a little bit, but uh, she's a much different fighter, as is Tisha Torres. She's gotten much better. So um going to dive into it more at, you know, a little bit, but, like, I, I do think that uh, it, it's a, it is a much different fight considering their career trajectories. It, the fight took place over six years ago, like you said. Obviously, uh, Poirier and McGregor the second time around was very, very different than the first time around. And, and we don't even have to talk about how different the third time around was. Um, so Torres versus Hill, it's always interesting, like you said, when both fighters are getting better. Um, and that maybe was something that we said with Poirier and McGregor as well. Both fighters had actually evolved. So it's always interesting to see what will happen um, because you're not sure exactly in which way each fighters have evolved and how stylistically that's going to play out this time around. Um, so I'm looking at the odds right now on Bet Online. Torres 
minus 137, Hill at plus 117. Um, your thoughts on those numbers and, and if there's any other props or anything else that, that's, that's looking like uh, there might be some spots for value on this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think this card actually is value city, uh, to put it bluntly. I mean, I just think that there's a lot of solid spots here if I was sprinkling in some different spots. Um, but I do think that the value is on Hill from a money line perspective. She's got the reach advantage here. I think she's got better volume. Uh, Torres is the more willing uh, kick thrower at distance, which could help offset the, you know, the distance advantage that Hill would have. But I'd be pretty surprised if Torres goes out here and wins like how she did the first time, you know, land a couple takedowns, dominate with control. Uh, Hill's, uh, Torres is an okay wrestler, but not a great wrestler. And uh, Hill has certainly improved through the years. She stuffed 17 of Michelle Watterson's 18 takedown attempts. Um, and I think the fight should be contested on the feet where I think it could be close. I mean, we've seen Hill lose some questionable uh, decisions in the past, uh, the Gedalia fight and Watterson fight most notably. But um, if I was playing either of these ladies, uh, you know, from a betting perspective, I would just rather take the decision prop. Uh, I know that it doesn't save a lot of value, but like I would really be surprised. It would be shocking. I would be more shocked if one of these ladies finished the other than Lewis uh, knocking out gone to put it simply. Uh, they're just so tough. Uh, historically, they're not, they got some finishing upside, but, but not a lot, not certainly against each other uh, when they're such elite fighters in this weight class. And so um, I would rather just, you know, pay a little bit uh, up, I guess, to the, or pay a little bit down rather to the decision prop if I'm playing either of these ladies, but from a straight money line perspective, I believe the value is on uh, the Angela Hill side. Seems like the fight finishing via knockout may be more dictated on the the opponent versus necessarily the fighter themselves, um, and and the skill level and, and capability of of said opponent. Um, so in this one, you think uh, decision is more likely. Um, so closing out the main card, we go to bantamweight. We got Song Yudong versus Casey Kenny. Uh, looking at Bet Online right now as we are speaking, um, minus one eighteen for Kenny. Uh, minus 102 for Song. Uh, so same question. Um, your thoughts on this one and, and any spots for value in this fight and, and props or anything else? Yeah, I don't. there's not a whole lot that jumps out at me on this fight. I think it should be a closely lined fight. They're both very skilled fighters, but going along with that point, they're both uh, vulnerable in the same area. We've seen them take it, taken down each uh, multiple times. Granted, it's come against good wrestlers and good athletes, but that's been an issue in both of those games. We saw that with Song Yudong against Cody Stamen against Marlon Vera, even against Kyler Phillips last time out. And uh, Kenny, same deal, got taken down a bunch of times by Rob Devalishvili. He's been taken down in other fights in the past. And, and cardio is the other thing too, right? We've seen them both slow down as the fight goes on. Not to say that either of them has bad cardio, and, and we've certainly seen them go out there and win decisions, but um, they have slowed down in the past. So I think that this fight is tied – the, the winner needs to get off early uh, because of the cardio dynamic and Yudong, I think has more punching power. I think his punches are a bit sharper, but Casey has a bit more variety. Uh, and he also fights at a higher tempo in general, though the threat of power from Yudong might cause him to be a bit more hesitant, but where Casey could really make up some ground here is with his wrestling. Uh, I do think he holds the wrestling advantage of the two, uh, comes from a higher pedigree, a, a collegiate wrestling background, also a strong judo background as well. He just doesn't really go to it that often. So if I knew that Kenny was going to go out here and come in with a wrestling oriented game plan, I might even bet him. But uh, when I watch him fight, that's not, that's not his main, uh, that's not his main MO. Right. So I would rather just uh, sit back and enjoy this one. This is a, a fight going along with what we're talking about earlier. Bantamweight is super stacked. And the fact that these two guys, neither of them is ranked in the top 15 really truly speaks to how uh, talent 
town heavy this division is. So uh, can I enjoy it as a fan, but I don't really see any spots from, from a betting perspective, uh, not even like the over two and a half rounds or something like that. Cause I do think it probably goes the, the distance here. Nothing wrong with uh, putting your feet up and enjoying, uh, enjoying a fight for what it is. Um, and it seems like that's, that's your plan for the first fight of the night on the main card. The main card is on ESPN plus pay-per-view starting at 10 PM Eastern. Uh, but we also have the prelims on ESPN and ESPN plus that's starting at 8 PM Eastern. And then the early prelims on UFC fight pass at 6 PM Eastern. So as you look down the line, um, there's names we've heard of. Now, this isn't one of those marquee huge pay-per-views that's stacked from top to bottom, but there's definitely intriguing matchups. There's definitely fighters that we've seen before, fighters that we've heard of. Um, as you look at the prelims and, and early prelims, I know there's always value down the line. Um, what fights, what, what spots for value stick out to you? Yeah, so uh, before I get into that, one thing I'd like to point out in general is you could usually find a lot more value on these early prelims and the pay-per-view cards just because people aren't paying attention to these fights as much. You know, even if it's somebody who wants to research a whole card, uh, they would usually prioritize the higher profile fights. Uh, things like that. So there's always opportunity for value, I think, with these earlier prelims just because people aren't as familiar with them. So going along with that point, I do like the spot for Johnny Munoz. I know that he's a, a pretty big favorite here, but I do think that there's value on his line. Um, he holds a, a pretty clear uh, wrestling and grappling advantage over, over Jamie Simmons. I also think that he holds the cardio and striking edge. Um, and the, basically the main way I see Simmons winning this fight is if, well, A, I greatly uh, am underrating him or he happens to, to land a big shot on the feet. But I, I like this Munoz kid, man. I know that he, he lost his debut, but I really liked his relentless lit, relentlessness with the takedowns. 16 takedown attempts was really forcing the clinch exchanges. And the thing with that, it's so hard to grapple with that much urgency in general, but the fact that he did it on short, short notice really speaks to his heart and his cardio. Um, I think he could get this fight to the ground. Honestly, I think he could get a quick finish here against some uh, Simmons. I think the under two and a half rounds is a solid spot as well. Uh, you know, again, Munoz inside the distance is plus money. So I do like Munoz. I'm big on him in this spot and kind of hammering home the point that I was talking about. I do think that he was one of the last, uh, this fight was one of the last research fights because it's the very first fight on the card. Um, and, and that usually means that people aren't paying attention to it as much, but we've seen it time and time again, these, these value spots pop up uh, and you're like, well, this was so obvious. Why was this guy only a, a this big of a favorite or why was he the underdog? Well, it's just because uh, the betting market just didn't adapt uh, to, to this fight because they're looking elsewhere. So um, I always love to look at spots like this. I think he's in a solid spot. That's probably my favorite spot on the prelims. I think that, uh, the Victoria Leonardo fight and the Melissa Gatto fight. It's a, it's a tough one uh, to, tr to handicap because you never know what you're going to get out of a fighter who's taking uh, three years off, who's very young. Uh, Melissa Gatto, that is. She could come in here looking like an improved fighter. Uh, but tape suggests it's a pretty good spot for Leonardo. So uh, I tend to think that Leonardo is the side of that matchup. I know that she had a, a questionable debut, but that's another edge that I like to have. Uh, she's not facing that same level of opponent here. Uh, and Manion Farrow, who is an excellent striker, just couldn't really get going. Uh, Gatto excels as a grappler. I think Leonardo is the more physical fighter. I think she could control the fight there. And Manel Cape is another interesting one that I've been eyeing. Uh, he is actually in a step down in competition, uh, faring well against Alexandre Pantoja, you know, Mateus Nicolau. Now he's getting Ode Osborne, a guy who hasn't been the distance in, in years, whereas Cape has been the distance several times and has done so against much higher level of opposition. And this could very easily be a levels fight. I think cops in a solid spot. Um, and yeah, I think that cops aside, but one other guy I'd like to touch on is Vince Morales. Uh, another guy that I feel like I could trust more over Draco Rodriguez, who we just don't know a whole lot about 
Morales has, has faced the, the much higher level of opposition, has been tested much more in terms of how fights extend. Um, I know he's coming in here on a, on a pretty bad beating uh, from Chris Gutierrez, uh, dealt with a leg injury in there, but I do think that he's the side. I feel like I could trust him more uh, of the two in that matchup. Just to prove your point about value down the line and, and doing your homework, your analysis starts with the absolute first fight of the night on the early prelims. Uh, so, so credit to you for doing your homework. Um, let me ask you this. There's a lot of fights we talked about on Saturday night. What is the one fight, the one thing that you are super excited about that you're saying, I can't wait to see if this happens? I can't wait to see if – if Derek Lewis knocks out Cyril Gaon. I mean, I think that that's the obvious answer, but that's also the answer that I, I could just answer truthfully. I mean, I really think that if Lewis goes out here and gets a knockout, it would kind of complete, not complete, but it would be like one step closer to finishing up his Cinderella story of, you know, he could literally knock out anybody. Well, you're a wrestler. You got a great chin. Uh, you're this flawless fighter, which Gaon has shown to be that the last guy that he would have to do that would to would be Francis, even though he decisioned him the first time. But if Lewis gets back-to-back knockouts, especially with this one starting off in Houston, uh, to capture the title, that would be really something exciting. They would have to make a Netflix documentary on Lewis. I feel like it'd be ob- obligatory at that point. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that would be my take on that. I could think of a few interesting titles for that Netflix documentary, uh, but that's, that's for another place in time. So uh, just to close it out, thank you for your time, your analysis. Tell people where they can find you, where they can hear more of your picks and, and hear more of your analysis. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Chopping it up with you. Uh, can be found on Twitter at AJ MMA betting, uh, Instagram, same handle, Twitter, same handle. I contribute to daily Also my website, AJ I have uh, three bets posted for the event. Potentially I'm going to add more. Um, I do uh, have all my written breakdowns posted, my podcast breakdown posted uh, where I go in depth and also my uh, win percentages, how I'm capping the, the fighters in terms of their probabilities to, to come out with their hand raised there. So uh, that's what I got going on. I've also got some other stuff in the works, but I'll announce that on Twitter when, uh, when it, it comes out, but uh, also going live um, tomorrow on, a, on another live stream. But uh, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, awesome doing this with you. AJ, thank you so much for the time and uh, enjoy the fights on Saturday. Thank you. Same to you. This podcast is brought to you by squaresandsharps.com. Squares and Sharps is what winners wear. We are the brand for sports bettors. Please visit squaresandsharps.com for high quality sports betting apparel and gear. Use promo code CURRENT for 15% off your next order and for free shipping. Do you like Jorge Masvidal's Scarface-inspired suit? It was created by Mohan's Custom Tailors of NYC. Turn your own dream into a reality. Visit the legendary Mohan's Custom Tailors located steps away from Grand Central at 301 Madison Avenue. You can contact them at 212-697-0050 or by visiting mohansnyc.com. Make an appointment now. If you're enjoying this show, check out my other podcast, Ask the Experts with Karen Batia. It's available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And check out my YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Karen Batia. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope we provided you some value. Check out squaresandsharps.com. It's what winners where and if you want to follow my personal channels it's at Karan Bhatia please give me a follow like the show and please subscribe thank you so much